I'm going to uh, I'm going to pray for us tonight out of Ephesians. That wonderful prayer in Ephesians 1. And I'm going to start at verse 15. And I was just looking to, um, I'm, I don't even know if I'm going to get really into Ephesians tonight, but that's my plan to get there eventually. And um, I just love the way it started. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So when I just look at that phrase, to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus, that's you folks here tonight. That's you folks out there on the internet watching tonight. You are the faithful in Christ Jesus. That's how, that's how I see you. You are the faithful in Christ Jesus. But I'm praying for all of us, all of, all of the saints. So therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So tonight we are going to receive spiritual wisdom and understanding and revelation and the knowledge of him. Now, I'm, I'm actually going to start in the Old Testament because God was just showing me something that I, I found rather exciting. You know, Pastor Gary often quotes uh, Ecclesiastes 1.9, I believe. The thing that has been and it's the thing that will be and there's nothing new under the sun. So it's it really helps me to understand the scriptures when I see something in the Old Testament and I see a, sort of the parallel of it in the New Testament. So I, I want to eventually, as I said, get to the book of Ephesians, but I want to look at something in the Old Testament that really helps me to understand Ephesians. So I'm going to ask you, I'm, I'm going to be using New King James for you folks back there who are putting up scriptures. That's all I'm using tonight, so it's pretty simple and straightforward. And we're going to go to uh, Genesis chapter 1. Okay, oh, come on. <laughs> and uh, we're going to look at a few things in Genesis because there's a lot here. There's so much in these first three chapters, but I'm just going to look at some things that I want to highlight. So in chapter 1, we see God 
creating the heavens and the earth and, and putting everything on the earth that is necessary for life. So every day, there's six days of creation, and every day he's putting something new onto the earth. But I want to look at the sixth day. Genesis, this is found in Genesis 1, 24 to 28. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, and cattle and creeping things and beast of the earth, each according to its kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, and cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So th that those couple verses, two or three verses, are just loaded with information. <laughs> and I'm just going to touch on some of it. One of the things that I noticed that it was on the sixth day, God, uh, he created the animals that he put on the earth, and then he created man. So of everything he created, man was last. And he, I believe that's because he had to get everything ready for man. He was creating this perfect environment for man to live in. So what I see here is God giving Adam, mankind, everything. He didn't have to work for it. He didn't have to earn it. It was just given to him as a free gift. That, that's our God. <laughs> he, is, he is good. He is gracious. He is kind. And then he also made man in his image, which was unlike the other animals that he created. So man had a nature that could communicate with God, that could have fellowship and communion with God. So that is another benefit that Adam had. And as someone who could have fellowship with him and communicate with him and know him, God also gave him some authority. He gave him a, he gave him a purpose and a job to do. He, he gave it to all the animals as well, and he told them to be fruitful multiply, fill the earth. But to Adam, he said to subdue it and have dominion over all the animals on the earth and over the, the earth. And that is a pretty amazing, too, that God gave him that. And I don't think he could have carried it out if he didn't have fellowship with God and do it in partnership with him. So after he said these things, is that me making that noise? Okay. Anyways, <laughs> okay, I won't be dancing up here, I guess. Um, so after the sixth day, Adam had his first day on planet Earth. It was the seventh day. And on the seventh day, God had a day of rest. So Adam began his life on planet Earth 
from a place of rest. So that is important, yeah. There, there, he, he didn't have to earn anything, and he started out from a place of rest. And then I, I just put, wanted to mention this for Pastor Paul, because he likes his meat. Everybody was eating fruit, herbs and fruit and that sort of thing when they first were put on the earth. The animals and the people, they were all vegetarians. They caught on. They caught on. <laughs> yes, I know, I know. <laughs> that tells me that they all got along. Nobody was trying to eat anybody, so, you know, they were all getting along. <laughs> well, the bacon was probably there, but nobody was eating it. Okay. Now, Genesis 2.15, I want to look at that. It says, then God... The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. So God gave this man a job, a responsibility. He was to tend the garden. I don't even know what that looked like. You know, we imagine the Garden of Eden to be just this paradise, so I don't know how much work he had to do. But I heard one person say this, that probably had he not sinned, he might, his job would have been to see that garden expanded throughout the whole earth. Possibly. Hmm? Well, yes, but this is the Garden of Eden. I don't know if it had any weeds, but... <laughs> but maybe this is where the being fruitful and multiply part comes in. He had to cause the garden to expand. <laughs> And he had to keep it. There was something to keep it from, and maybe he didn't know what it was at that time, but he had to guard it and protect it. And then in, in uh, verses 16 and 17, God gave Adam a sort of prohibition, something that he wasn't supposed to do, and it really involved Adam having a choice. So it said, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So we know what happened. We know what happened. I'm not going to go into that, but we know that he didn't protect the garden from an invader and... He and Eve ate from the tree, and they died. They didn't die physically right away, but they died spiritually. They were separated from that spiritual relationship they had with, that with the Father, that close communion and fellowship, because when sin comes in, it brings shame, it brings fear, and that's what they were experiencing. They were withdrawing from God. And, um, you know, maybe they could have talked to God about it and owned up to their mistake, their sin, but they chose not to. They chose, we, that's what we human beings do. We try to cover it up and make excuses, and that's what they were doing. But even in this place of separation and broken fellowship, of fear and shame, God was still communicating with them. 
he, he did put them out of the garden, probably for their own protection and safety, so they wouldn't eat from the tree of life in that state. But he continued to communicate and reach out to mankind even after that. But he gave a promise to them in chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 15. And actually, God is saying this to the serpent. He's not saying it directly to, to Adam and Eve. Well, maybe I'll start in verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So this was bad news for the serpent, the devil. But it was good news for Adam and Eve because God was giving them some hope that there would be a seed of the woman that would bruise his head. When your head is bruised and crushed, you're done. <laughs> That's it. When you, your heel is bruised, it, it's a minor, in comparison, a minor inconvenience. And so, you know, we know what happened. We're looking back now on the life of Christ and his birth. And so this seed was the virgin birth that would come, I think it's something like 4,000 years later. So thank God for that, that we can look back and see that God kept his promise right from Genesis 3. And it took time, but God sent his son. It, it says in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son born of a woman. And God had a fullness of time. And uh, he knows why that was the right time. I don't, but thank God he came. <laughs> Now, I'm going to move into the book of Ephesians now, because in this account in Genesis, I'm seeing the book of Ephesians. This is a book that God has always really highlighted to me as being very important. Okay. <laughs> it's very sensitive. And um, a number of years ago, quite a few years ago when my children were young. Um, one day God said to me, read through the book of Ephesians three times fast. Don't study it. Don't meditate on it. Just read it through fast. I thought that was kind of strange, but it's not that long of a book, so I read it through fast three times. And when I had finished, I heard three words. You, you might have heard these words before yourself. Sit, walk, stand. And when I heard those words, I thought, I think there's a book out there with that title, which I don't think I've read, but I thought that must be about the book of Ephesians, that, that book called Sit, Walk, Stand. So even those three words just immediately gave me a better understanding of the book of Ephesians. But what God was emphasizing to me at that time was the sit part. I'm just going to have a sip of water here. I hope it doesn't upset things.
And the reason he was doing that, because at that time, and I think this happens to a lot of us, I knew that, okay, I was saved by grace through faith. It's the gift of God, not of works. But after a while, and sometimes it gets taught in church, sometimes we pick it up, but we think we've got to maintain our salvation through works. You can slip into that way of thinking. And it's a very stressful way to live. And so God was trying to get the message through to me that my salvation was secure. I didn't have to work at it. I didn't have to keep myself saved. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say I don't believe you're, everybody it, it, that it's not possible to lose your salvation, but I think it's very rare. And especially if you want God and you want to serve him, you're not going to lose your salvation. You may mess up do some things wrong, but our salvation is pretty secure in Christ because it's not about what we've done. It's about what he's done for us, and, and it's just about us receiving that. We have to know it and receive it by faith. So I'm going to look, first of all, at the sit part because it is very important. Now, the, all of it's important, and actually, as I was studying this week, the Lord started to really emphasize the walk part to me, too. As a matter of fact, you know, it's funny when you're preparing a message, you learn a lot, for one thing, when you have to teach something. But it seems like you get tested. You know, you get tested. So, yeah, I was getting... I was, depend, I might share some of that with you later on tonight, but I was getting tested. But you know, it was good because I knew I was being tested. I knew it. And I just had to relax and not get upset about it. Just, you know. <laughs> so, so Ephesians 1, just Ephesians 1 is just awesome, you know, that, that whole chapter. And, and I'm just going to look at some, I'm, I'm not going to do every verse, because I do remember many years ago, Pastor Gary taught on Ephesians in the midweek service. Do you remember that, Pastor Gary? Yeah. And, you, and you taught, I think you went verse by verse. Yeah, did and, oh, did he? Okay. I don't think I did, I did that course, but I do remember it was like a, the midweek service. And um, he didn't do it all in one night either, because <laughs> there, there is so much. But I'm just going to touch on some of these verses, because they are so good. And they sort of, to me, are, are a parallel to what Adam had in the garden before he fell. So let's just start with verse 3 in Ephesians chapter 1. And it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I mean, we're, we're just starting off at the beginning of Ephesians with that statement. Just as when Adam was created and put on the planet, he, he just came here, everything was provided for him. Now, everything has been provided for us in Christ. And... I want to look also at 2 Peter 1, verses 2 and 3, because this really, he really brings this out well. So Peter writes, grace and peace be multiplied to you. That's sort of like the introduction here in Ephesians as well. And he says, 
In the knowledge of God in Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So these things are received by us through the knowledge of God, through the knowledge of who he is and what he's done for us. That's why I started out with this prayer in Ephesians. And I know uh, probably it was a year ago or so, Pastor Nancy, you were talking on these prayers in Ephesians. And Pastor Nancy said, you know, we should be praying these every day, <laughs> which is we should. So I don't know how many of you pray it every day. I don't know that I pray it every day, but maybe every second day. And the, I find the challenge of it is this, that it can become a routine and you can just get it set in your memory and just rattle it off, you know, and not even think about what you're praying. And it reminds me of when I was a kid. I'm old enough to remember that when we went to school, I don't know if you, you probably don't do this anymore, Ashton, but we would sing, Oh, Canada, God Save the Queen. And we would say the Lord's Prayer. That was how we started every day. And everybody knew the Lord's Prayer. They could just rattle it off. You never thought about it. You didn't know what it meant. You didn't care, but you could say it, you know. <laughs> and so sometimes I find when I'm praying something like this, it's a wonderful prayer here in Ephesians, but it's easy for that to happen. So I know what I try and do is really think about you know, slow down and think about what I'm praying for. And, you know, we're always praying for that revelation knowledge and understanding so that we can know him and what he's given to us. And so this is what Peter is saying. We come to know all these things that have been given to us through the knowledge of him. So it, it is going to take some seeking, some study some meditation. I find just reading through the Bible in a year is a great way to get a lot of this. It's not the only way, but if you're not reading through it in a year, I would encourage you to. And we'll be starting up again pretty soon in January, or you can start anytime, actually. So that is verse 3. That's just verse 3. Now verses Verse 4, we'll go on to verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, is it, that we should be holy and without blame, that is amazing. When you think of all the things that we have done in our lives, and especially before we knew the Lord, and even after we knew the Lord. <laughs> But this is not something that we have earned because we've been so great and holy ourselves. This is something that has been given to us in Christ. Now, there is, there, when we get to the walk part, yeah, there is a walking out of some of these things. But first of all, these things have been given to us in Christ. Now, Colossians 1, 21 to 23 talks about this as well. And it says, you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. 
if indeed you continue in the faith, root, faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So Paul is again saying that through Jesus' death, we have been made holy and blameless and above reproach in God's sight. God sees us like Jesus. But it says if we continue in faith, because this is by faith, okay? So we have to continue in faith and not let the enemy lie to us and tell us, well, you're not good enough. You messed up today. Well, we're still holy, blameless, and above, above reproach in his sight. And we can acknowledge our sin and get back on track with God. And one of the things I love here is Paul gives the motivation for this. He says, God did this for us because of love. Love is God's motivation. Not because he has to do it, because it's the right thing to do, but because he loves us. So let us go on to verse 5. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So now we're adopted as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. This, that just kind of blows my mind that we are his sons. We're in the family. If you've ever felt like you were an orphan or you didn't belong, well, you belong to God's family. Amen. Praise God. And he's got a big family. <laughs> and again, this is according to the good pleasure of his will. The good pleasure of his will is that we are adopted as his sons. This is something he wants, he desires. And then, I guess it's the next verse, it says, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. We are accepted in the beloved. That means we're beloved too. How awesome is this? that we are his sons, his daughters, were accepted in the beloved. Again, this is all that he has done for us in Christ. We haven't done anything yet. We just come to know this and receive it by faith. In verses 7 and 8, in him we have a redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. So we have redemption. We are redeemed. We're forgiven. According to the riches of his grace, his grace is rich towards us, and it abounds towards us in wisdom and prudence. Now, I want to look at another verse that says this in Colossians. This is one of my favorite verses. Colossians 1 Verses 13 and 14. So it says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Paul says the same thing here again to the Colossians. 
we are delivered from the power or the kingdom of darkness. We're in a new kingdom now. We are forever delivered out of that kingdom. Satan may try to lie to us, but we are not part of his kingdom anymore. We are part of the kingdom of the son of his love. And we have redemption. We are redeemed by his blood. And we have the forgiveness of sins. That means all of our sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven. They're already forgiven. Praise God. That doesn't mean we might not sin. <laughs> we probably will. But we have an advocate. And we can, it's important to acknowledge it when we sin and bring this, our sin to God. And we're forgiven because it's already been taken care of. Praise God. Now, Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14 says, In whom, in him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So it's important that we hear the word of truth. In whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. This is a guarantee of our inheritance. And we have some inheritance now. We have some that is yet to come that hasn't been fulfilled yet. But we have an inheritance and we are sealed. We have the Holy Spirit. He has sealed us. That, that sounds to me like we are taken care of, we're all wrapped up and safe in, in the Holy Spirit. When you seal something, it's, it's sealed, it's shut, we're kept. Now I'm going to jump over to Ephesians chapter 2. I know there's a whole lot more there, but i um, not going to cover everything. <laughs> Ephesians 2 verses 4 to 10. Says, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Isn't that wonderful? Mercy and great love. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You know, when you think about it, when you think of how he saved us, what he saved us from, in his mercy and love, we were dead. I was dead at one time. But he has made us alive. We didn't even know really that he was doing that, but he did that for us just because we received Jesus. And we understood that he died for us. It says he's raised us up together and made us sit together. This is the sit part right here. <laughs> he's made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, we, in the prayer that I prayed at the beginning, we read there that Jesus has been raised up and seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is in a place of authority, and now we have been placed there in Christ. So we are sharing that authority with Jesus. He's given us authority. Even He, he even gave authority to his disciples when he was on the earth. So we have authority but it's, it's important to know that it's by grace we have been saved. This authority is given to us, but it's not so that we can be arrogant about it. 
We only have it because of what Jesus has done for us. And he goes on to say that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So this is really what the sit part is about. You know, tonight, you folks, you're all sitting down. And I think of sitting as a position of rest. So we're resting in the fact that Jesus has saved us. It's not by works that we have done. He's done it. It's the gift of God. And it's also a place of authority as well. When we're seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus, that is a place of authority as well. And, he, and this is good, verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're, we're going to be introduced here to the fact that we're going to walk in some stuff. We're going, to, we're going to get to the walk part of Ephesians. So that's really great. You know, I mean, it's wonderful that we're saved by grace through faith. We don't... We couldn't possibly save ourselves, so we might as well just receive the, the free gift he's given us. But like Adam, God gave him a job to do. He had, he had, we want a purpose. You know, he, he said we have, God created us for good works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them even before we were born. He had something for us to do. And, and I believe it's something that we will enjoy, that fulfills us. He doesn't make us do something. Like, like a lot of times people say, oh, I'm afraid God's going to send me to Africa or something, <laughs> you know. But whatever God has for us, maybe he's going to send you to Africa, but you will enjoy it. <laughs> you will learn to love it. It might be, it, I'm not saying it'll be easy, but whatever he has for us, it will be fulfilling. It will be tailor-made for us. Amen. So, you know, that's one of the things we seek God for is our purpose here on earth. Now, in Ephesians 3, we have another prayer. I wasn't really going to get into it too much, but it is a prayer for, again, revelation of God's power living within us and his love for us. He wants us to know he says that we would be rooted and grounded in love and be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, and height. I mean, this is a full three-dimensional love. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. I think, you know, in order to really live the Christian life, we have to know, first of all, that God loves us. And it's not because we're wonderful and great. <laughs> it's because that is his nature, his love. And so if we don't have that foundation, I think we're, gonna, we're just going to be struggling. It's just going to be a kind of a, a robotic life. We want to have that relationship with God and know that he's approachable and that we don't have to live with any guilt and shame. We can just have this very open, honest relationship with him. 
I, I read this today, and it was a devotional I got, and I thought it was really good. It says, faith alone saves. So that's what we've been talking about. It's God's grace towards us, and we receive his grace by faith. He says, faith alone saves, but saving faith is never alone. It must be acted upon. And so when we have Christ in us, his spirit in us, we will we'll want to do something. We'll want to serve him. We'll see the world through his eyes. Because he's love, his love is in us too. That's one of the things that we have in us. Now, I might go on a little further. I might just get started here in Ephesians 4, because Ephesians 4 is the walk part. Now we're going to start to walk it out. <laughs> and I'm going to look at verses 1 to 6. It says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, so Paul's writing from prison here, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So this there's a lot of good stuff here. He he is asking us, you know, really he's asking us to walk in the fruit of the spirit, which we have. That's something that we have already in us. We don't have to pray for more of it. It is there. We need to acknowledge that it's there. And when we have the opportunity to walk in it, and he uses the words lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. So, you know, we have to walk through some difficult things in relationships with people. And he's asking us to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And, you know, as I was reading through this, one thing that just kept coming to me is that there is absolutely no room for us to be offended we can't have, if we're walking in the fruit of the Spirit, how can we allow offense? I mean, there are temptations to be offended, that's for sure. <laughs> but we can't allow offense in our lives because it destroys that unity. And um, I read somebody's definition of agape love because this is really what he's talking about here. Agape is giving myself up, subordinating even abandoning my own desires for another's. It actually means preferring another's well-being over our own. So I, I see here um, a love that is sacrificial. And we'll see this again in, in chapter 4 and chapter 5. <laughs> but chapter 4 Verses 22 to 24, he says, uh, there's, again, so much here, I'm not going to read every verse, but that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So Paul talks about putting off and putting on. 
in Ephesians. And we're, we're to put off our former conduct. And one of the ways we do this is being renewed in the spirit of our minds. That's really, really important is being renewed in, in our minds. And I think that's really lacking in the body of Christ today. You know, when I first started coming to New Covenant Church, this is where I really started to learn about renewing my mind. I really didn't know it was a thing, you know. I, I was renewed to a degree because if you're walking with God and reading the Word, I mean, God's going to show you some things, and of course, you're going to learn and, and make some changes in your life. But really being renewed in the spirit of your mind and coming to know who you are, it just changes everything. And um, so it enables you to walk in this new life. I think sometimes we think we're not able to. We're not capable of it. We're just still in our sin almost, and we're struggling and fighting until we get to heaven. But God wants us to progressively being pushing towards the, um, the life of Christ that's in us, to, to let that be revealed in us. And it's just, it's a daily walk. We probably will be working at it until we get to heaven. But it, it's something every day. And, you know, I, I was saying as I was preparing this message th this week, well, it was kind of a busy week, you know, with Christmas and all. And I thought, okay, I, I think I can find some time this week to prepare this message. And it just seemed that... No matter when I sat down to do this, the phone would ring or someone would come over or I'd have an important email. Something There was always something going on and they weren't bad things. They were really good things, but I just, they were taking my time. But God was really talking to me and he's saying, you know, people are important. They're more important sometimes than you um, putting them off so that you can prepare your message, especially when you're preparing a message about love, <laughs> you know. So I said, yeah, okay, God, I, I get it. I get it. I'm going to have to trust you to help me with this message. So I, I was just making time for people. And today I, was, I thought, okay, I'm going to go out for a little walk around the block, and I'm walking around the block, and I meet a neighbor. This, I have a neighbor who... Every day he walks, it's sort of like in a horseshoe, and he does it 20 times. He tells me I do it 20 times. He doesn't walk on the trail. He, doesn't, he just walks this sort of horseshoe shape through the neighborhood every day. And um, so he decided today he was going to talk to me. <laughs> he told me all kinds of interesting things. Because when you walk around, around the neighborhood like that every day, you know everything that's going on in the neighborhood, you know? <laughs> But really, he, he wasn't gossiping. He was kind of telling me about the history of the area. He said, do you know why your, your street is called Sandrick Avenue? And I said, well, no. He said, because the man who um, built this subdivision, his wife's name was Sandra, and his name was Rick. And I said, well, there you go, you know. So, but there I was out in the cold while he was talking away to me. And I said, well, this is exactly what God is talking to me about, to just take time for people. People are important. Yeah. And, you know, especially at Christmas, because that really gets 
big in me at Christmas because it can be a really hard time for people. It's, even if it's a good time, everybody's rushed, they're trying to get gifts, you know, it's, it's a challenge. And I always think when I'm out in the stores, I'm just going to really bend over backwards to be extra nice to people and to the people working on cash, just to talk to them and ask them how their day is going. So that's something that uh, God's really been speaking to me about. And so, you know, you just have to let some other things go and trust God for those things and walk in love towards people. Yeah. Now, I do have a bit more here, but since there's going to be a part two... See, I, I knew there was a bit, I had a lot here, and I, I thought, mm, I might, they might get a little tired and walk out on me. So, <laughs> so um, we'll continue on with this part two next time I'm able to be here. No, no, the week after, the week after. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But one of the things, again, I was seeing what Adam had and he lost, we have gained in Christ. We've gained that place of rest. We start from a place of rest, from a place of sitting. And we have fellowship with God again because we're forgiven. There's nothing between us anymore. And we have something to do. We have a job to do just like Adam. We have a garden to tend and a garden to protect. And so the book of Ephesians kind of brings that all out to me anyways. And, and it helps me to understand it better and understand the plan that God has for myself and all of us here on earth. So I'll just leave it there. Thank you. Thank you. I was going to mention, though, um, and this kind of goes along with the message of sitting, and also walking. We have these little I am cards. I think most of you know about them. They're, I think they're out in the lobby. They're kind of little, but there's 40 I am scriptures of who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ. So things like I'm a child of God. I'm redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I'm forgiven. We heard all of that tonight. I'm saved by grace through faith. I'm justified with the scripture references. So I would encourage you to get a card. And if it's too small for you to read, when P Pastor Paul sends out the um, devotions, on the right side, there's a lot of um, confessions. And this is in there too. So you can see it in bigger print. Like I have, I printed it off. I've got it at home. So, the, you know, you can just go through. You don't have to go through all 40 every day, but just go through a few of them and look at them and, and renew your mind to the truth of the Word of God, what, what it has to say about who you are and what you have in Christ. Praise God. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.